When you walk into the main research building at CUI Car, you are surrounded by prototype cars from the Deep Orange program. Turn left and you see Deep Orange 1, a prototype designed around changes in urban planning and human populations. Turn right and you see Deep Orange 6, a youth-oriented vehicle that reimagines the SUV for future families. Across the long hallway and down a level, you come to yet another corridor, and parked there is Deep Orange 9. That is a next-generation rally cross car, an experiment in pushing performance and sustainability with hybrid powertrains and lightweight materials. Go left again and you will see experiments with autonomous driving. Go right and you will see testing on materials for future engines, powertrains, and structural components. I must say, it's pretty cool to tour the future of human transportation. Often though, the path to the future is in the straight line. In the popular Pixar movie Cars, Doc Hudson is the mentor to the film's hero, Lightning McQueen. During his training, he offers up some sage advice that didn't make sense to the young racer at that time. He said, turn right to go left. It was his advice for how to race on dirt. On dirt, unlike asphalt or concrete, you have to do controlled drifts through the corners to maintain velocity through the turn and get pointed in the direction you want heading out of the turn. I can't help but apply the metaphor to our conversation with Dr. Srikanth Pila. Dr. Pila is all about biocomposites, materials that juxtapose natural and synthetic elements, where the natural elements can decompose and the synthetic can be reused in some other way to leave a minimal environmental footprint. But before he could do the work he really wanted to do, he had to pay his dues by doing more conventional things. Our minds worked hard to keep up with the science and engineering talk. But at the core of his advice is something born from his own personal journey and something everyone probably needs to hear or be reminded. He says, make your own opportunities. You see, he wanted to work on biocomposites, but had to spend many years working on traditional composite materials and learning about the economics of volume production before he could return to work on his larger vision. In a few years, as designers and manufacturers start to move on from carbon fiber composites to stronger, lighter, and more sustainable biocomposites, we can appreciate the fact that Dr. Pilar turned right to go left. This is Of Note, a podcast on innovation. I'm Laura Corder, Managing Director of South Carolina Department of Commerce's Office of Innovation. And I'm Joseph Nuther, co-founder of Design Sensory and Pop Fizz. We're talking to some of the most interesting minds in the South. They're hands-on, they're driven, and they're sharing their notes on invention, funding, entrepreneurship, growth, and so much more. My name is Srikant Pilla. I'm a Jenkins and R professor and uh, the founding director of the Clemson Composite Center at Clemson University. Uh, located as, um, at CUI CUR. CUI CUR stands for Clemson University International Center for Automotive Research. So Clemson has this innovation campus is what we call. The main campus is located in Clemson, South Carolina, but then it has uh, about 
five innovation campuses, if I'm not wrong. Uh, CUICAR is one of them. And so the main goal of these innovation campuses is innovation through translation. They, they primarily focus on um, meeting the industry demands and then trying to develop uh, the research and uh, the discoveries around that so that we can help grow industries at the same time, help grow advanced technologies that are helpful for the uh, benefit of the mankind. So uh, I'm a faculty in the Department of Automotive Engineering. Um, again, I, it's, it's, it's a regular department like mechanical and other things because a lot many times, um, if you look at it, uh, people wonder, I mean, Department of Automotive Engineering, that's not a traditional department, right? And we are the first department in this country which uh, offers, uh, which is a graduate, a degree granting uh, department. And we graduated the country's first PhD in automotive engineering and the country's first female PhD in automotive engineering. It's been a decade uh, and um, uh, we have done so many, um, um, so much, we created so much impact within the automotive industry. Today, I can confidently say you go to any major automotive OEM in this country, um, I bet that you can find a CUI car graduate. So I'm a faculty in that department, but at the same time, um, I also founded uh, the Clemson Composite Center, uh, which, um, uh, which, which has been my dream ever since I came to Clemson. And that's been realized thanks to uh, multiple entities who supported, uh, including the Department of Commerce. Recently, we had the chance to uh, explore CUI Car. Uh, it's a place that's doing the most advanced research on human transportation and cars. And when you walk around their campus and through some of their buildings um, in, in the Research Development Center, uh, they have their past cars uh, around for you to be able to see. They refer to all of these as Deep Orange. So like the first car concept they dealt with was Deep Orange 1 and subsequently than that. Um, and when we had the chance to go there, it was just amazing to see all of the things that they were looking at. Laura, you remember that. I mean, what would, now this is a huge deal for South Carolina. Yeah. Um, what is CUI car and what are they trying to accomplish? Well, so CUI car was really just an idea in the early 2000s. And today, I think as you saw for yourself, it's a really vibrant campus. Uh, it, it's to really be a place where premier automotive research, innovation, educational enterprise can take place, but really emphasizing the industry relevance of that research, but also then heavily supported with excellence in basic research. So there's an even balance there, just making sure that, you know, we're not just focusing on uh, something that can stay in a lab, that it will have actual industry uh, relevance to it. Laura, what's a composite? Okay, we're gonna get a little sciencey. Hold on. So a composite. Hold on, I'm buckling up. <laughs> a composite is composed of a high-performance fiber like carbon or glass, and a matrix material that, when combined, provides enhancement properties compared with the individual materials by themselves. Or, in layman's terms, combining existing materials together to form something new with better performance. And so that like better performance could mean it can be a multitude of different like, things. You know, this these materials have basically replaced steel because they're lighter, which then makes the car more um, more fuel efficient, makes it safer. Um, so that's why you see carbon fiber really take over the automotive and now even the aerospace industry. So Deep Orange is just one of many things that CUI Car offers, uh, but it is an immersive experience for graduate automotive engineering students to really focus on real problems that are happening in industry. It's a 24-month-long program, but it's also 
interdisciplinary uh, between the faculty and with the students. Um, and they're trying to design vehicles for the future. But let's just focus on the fact that they are concept cars. None of these you could actually roll off on the street and actually legally drive. Um, but when you look at them, it, there are things that could really inspire actual application in the industry for the future. So it's an exercise essentially in trying to bring together technology as a proving ground. Yes. But now you mentioned Deep Orange is not, that's not all that happens at CUI Car. It's just one of many programs that happen there, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got, the whole campus is really set up to help facilitate industry interaction, uh, a kind of landing pad for even international companies that are coming uh, to the U.S. that also play a role within the automotive industry. So it's, you've got students that are kind of your next round of innovators working there. You've got industry located. And of course, you have existing researchers all collaborating within, you know, one building away from each other. Uh, we do have a relationship with, uh, I believe, over 100 plus. I mean, on site, we may have around 20 cam companies. Um, I mean, if, you, if as far as even India, uh, we, we do have a, a strong association with uh, some companies over there, Europe. I mean, you talk about, but across globally. So CUICAR is an internationally recognized facility within the automotive research space. Through his educational background and research, Shrikanth is helping the facility to push for the inclusion of one major idea in the automotive industry, the circular economy concept. I did a major part of my research in the past on biocomposites, bio uh, environmentally friendly materials and stuff, right? So today, um, I've been applying those discoveries in that of how can I bring those discoveries into the automotive application domain. But at the same time, uh, today automotive world is not just looking at uh, sustainable materials. It is looking at a circular economy concept. So what does this the concept mean? Uh, basically, you discover any material and you put it in the application domain. But then once the, once the product is out of its service life, take an example of a vehicle. Once the vehicle has been driven for, let's say, 200,000 miles, uh, after that, there's no more life for that. And then it goes for disassembly. So when it goes for disassembly, we want to ensure that every single component of that is actually reused, repurposed, reprocessed to a new product in some other application. It could be it could be an automotive application or it could be some other application in total, right? But as long as it doesn't go into the landfill, that's the kind of uh, philosophy uh, which we are looking at right now. And that's what we call in sustainability language, uh, no leakage to the environment. So if you look at European in automotive industry, uh, there is a European legislation which mandates that 95% of the uh, materials that go into the automotive uh, have to be recycled. In, in US, such a legislation or regulation doesn't exist yet. However, um, I don't see we are far away of, uh, before the government enforces that. So if we can start inculcating that thought process into the future automotive engineers right now, even before the legislation comes into, in, into place. And uh, now we have a workforce uh, which is completely equipped and trained to, to meet uh, such a regulation. And that's what we are trying to put together in the Deep Orange 11 concept, a circular economy concept where uh, we try to design uh, the, the systems uh, from, from, the, from the scratch in a way that uh, once they're out of their service life, they don't go into the landfill, but repurposed or reused in some other application. If it goes to the automotive, that's fantastic. But even if not, uh, it's fine. However, getting people and manufacturers, let alone an entire industry, to adopt his ideas was more of a challenge than he had anticipated. Let me tell you a small uh, uh, 
uh, story here. Uh, when I came here, uh, my, my area of research has been biocomposites. Uh, and uh, primarily I was hired to, to bring the, the circular economy concepts into the automotive field. But then and when I came here, I was talking to automotive fields and uh, companies and, um, and representatives. They liked what I was doing, but uh, I realized that they, they are not really ready to adapt my, my, my work. Uh, because composites was new and they really don't want to go into the environmental uh, materials, friendly materials and biomaterials like that. I was a little concerned also, uh, where did I come in? Because uh, that has been my research for the past 10 years. And suddenly here, there's an application domain that doesn't accept my research. But my observations have translated into an adaptation of work. The science and technology of composites is not different between biocomposites or uh, traditional composites. So why not I uh, just go by the books and then say, let's uh, reinvent myself in terms of applying that instead of biocomposites or sustainable materials, let me invent that and put it into the regular domain of what automotive industry is looking for, which is the traditional carbon fiber composites. And I started building that kind of uh, area. Once I've, I've been fairly successful in that area, then I said, let me now go back to my passion, which is again putting the biocomposites into the application domain. And then I started writing grants in that area, thanks to the United States Department of Agriculture and everything. And today, even uh, I'm so happy and proud to say that the Deep Orange 11 concept car, which I'm leading, um, is also sustainable by design, a circular economy concept that I originally was hired for. I've been implementing that now. Shrikanth went on to discuss how in a field like composites, which isn't exactly new, innovation comes from the translational aspects of his work or taking pre-existing research other discoveries and processes, and leveraging them to make something entirely new. I consider material science research to be a, a translational um, area of work. So you, you, there's a lot of fundamental discoveries that are happening elsewhere, right? How can you actually take the existing discoveries and then translate them to innovations that can, um, that can help industries? That has been a biggest impact. And even if you see uh, pretty much all the major uh, funding agencies today, they, they are looking at not just at fundamental science, but they are also looking at the broader impact, the innovation that can translate from the fundamental discoveries. If you look at the composite science and technology, that's not really, I mean, I'll be honest, it's not new. Uh, it's been uh, almost uh, uh, since 1960s, 50s. The science and technology of composites field has been pretty well established. Um, composites are not new um, in application domain, but uh, it's new to the automotive field, at least when I joined in 2013. The domain is new, the, the understanding is new, the science is not new. So what uh, translational piece you have to think about is, how can we take that science and apply it to the automotive field? Shrikanth just touched on one of the biggest challenges he and the automotive research field are currently facing translating new approaches in material science, his science, into the firmly established automotive manufacturing sector. So when you want to think about applying the science and technology into another domain, it comes with its own challenges. If you take the aerospace domain, you're making possibly, I mean, today, if you look at it, maybe you're making one aircraft every week, uh, but uh, how many cars are made? Just this BMW plant, uh, which is in, in, in uh, a few miles, it's making 450,000 vehicles every year. So just one assembly plant in the United States making 450,000 vehicles a year. And how many OEMs are there? How many plants are there? So there's several millions of cars that are made every year. So the production scale, number one, that's the main issue. The second issue is you sell an aircraft for several million dollars. 
So even if the cost is so high, you can afford it. But in automotive field, that's not the case. Your average car selling price is around $20,000. So you need to make them affordable. And if you can actually think how to overcome those challenges from practical standpoint, where the science is here and the application is here, how can you bridge these? So that thinking ability can expand it and then make your science applicable in the, in the application domain. So this is what even I tell my students, and that has been the core idea of, uh, of our uh, group's research over the past five years. If I'm telling that the car of the future is completely out of composites, right, I'm lying to myself. Uh, it's not going to be purely composites, or it's not going to be purely metallic. It's going to be a multi-material architecture. So with that in mind, uh, again, metals can be recycled. Um, so a car of the future will have components metallic, non-metallic composites, sustainable materials, or any kind of repurposed or reused or reprocessable materials that does not provide any leakage to the environment. Now the challenge comes is, how can we make all of this more affordable? Basically, if you look at sustainable materials uh, or even the repurposed or reprocessable or even other kind of things, uh, there are a lot of know-how that still needs to be developed in that area. And then uh, multi-material joining uh, is another key area. So. On one side, we are looking at an environmentally conscious car vehicle, um, which is basically 2030 and beyond. Uh, but on the other side, it also opened up new areas of research for faculty to, uh, to work on. So I feel this environmentally conscious vehicle that's gonna come up in future um, uh, is gonna open up more research domains for people to work on. Up next, more about Trikant's approach to teaching and innovation. This podcast is part of Scribble, South Carolina's voice of innovation. We celebrate and support the innovative activity across the state by connecting people to people. Visit ScribbleSC.com for exclusive interviews, tools, and resources. That's ScribbleSC.com. He talks about the future of cars, and again, as a as a bit of a gearhead, it's 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 been very interesting to look at the last twenty or thirty years and see how technology has filtered into cars. Um, I do collect a few cars, and when you look at the late '90s and early into the early 2000s, you start to see uh, extensive use of aluminum. That that's the big deal. It's stronger um, than 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 former uh, metals that were used, especially for chassis. Uh, and lighter, uh, which means that, you know, without changing a whole lot of the engine mechanics, uh, you can tease out more performance just by, um, you know, essentially uh, making a car lighter. Uh, as you go into the late 2000s and, and onward, you start to see, uh, again, something closer to what Dr. Pila is talking about. These composites start to make their way into cars. Um, and you start to see, you know, as, as most people know, carbon fiber uh, start to be applied to, for example, uh, the roofs of cars, roof lines, because what that does is it lowers the center of, of gravity on the car so that you have better performance in, in 
uh, in curves. Um, but really outside of that, and maybe second or third generation carbon fiber, um, you know, I don't think you really see a whole lot more movement in cars in terms of materials outside of that. I have seen concept cars from people like BM, brands like BMW where they're trying to use fabric as a skin uh, or, uh, or other pieces like that. And maybe that, that is in the future, but certainly what Dr. Pila is working on right now is, is really interesting and the idea that, you know, either it, it is reused or it just goes back into the environment and becomes part of the environment again. I think that that's such an innovative take on um, on sustainability that, frankly, up until the, the, this interview with him, I had never come across in, you know, any of my conversations or uh, in readings about cars. So we've talked a lot about the future of what composites are really what will what we as humans will use beyond just composites. Um, but honestly, there there's nothing new about composites. We as humans have been using a composite material for thousands of years. Something as simple as the brick, mud, water, sand, but formed all together are a much stronger thing independently. And of course, now we use to this day to build homes with. But eventually, that the home industry is changing. We now 3D print a home. Like, that's crazy. And to think that maybe that eventually something like that could also be just as disruptive in the automotive industry. You know, who knows? Before we let Triconf go, we wanted to dive deeper into his personal approach to innovation and how he stays motivated. For me, innovation is, uh, is about doing things differently. So in a sense, uh, you do what others are doing, but if you do it differently, then that's kind of what innovation is. And that all starts with the thought process of, of the person. Um, again, I'm not the only guy who's doing composites in this world, right? But I do it differently in a sense that I look at the circular economy concepts, I look at the manufacturing piece, I look at the functional properties. It's about, innovation is all about uh, thinking differently uh, and then doing differently. It's all about uh, uh, the, the need, that the industry is looking for, right? I often tell my students, uh, don't look for opportunities, try to create opportunities yourself. If you, if you keep waiting for uh, opportunities to come so that you can do innovation, I think you, you are thinking very laid back. I mean, I could have five years ago, I could have very well sat behind and say, let the bioplastics and biocomposites opportunity come to me and then I will do my, uh, my innovation. I didn't do that. And uh, this is my sixth year, right? I, I could have waited for long to even create the Clemson Composite Center. I didn't do that. I created my opportunity and I said, Clemson or the state of South Carolina needs such a center. And why it needs? Because of the uh, innovation to translation concept that we are uh, reinforcing and then advancing in, in the state of South Carolina. And uh, that's the reason today you see this multi-million dollar center uh, that's going to be unveiled uh, uh, in fall. Create your own opportunities is a great piece of advice. As for how Shrikanth stays motivated and prepared to create those opportunities... I mean, I, I started thinking about research and I ended it thinking about research. Uh, basically, my, my, my beginning starts with uh, what are the activities that I do that day and the, and the ending start uh, and, and, and the ending is basically what do I uh, accomplish on the next day. My colleagues say that I keep on thinking always. <laughs> This is a field that I have chosen um, um, uh, by myself uh, in terms of uh, uh, getting into academia because I, I have the freedom and, and, and uh, flexibility to do whatever I want. I had options to get into industry and I did work in industry for some time, but uh, over there it's 
kind of okay you have a you have a you have a particular topic that you need to work on but here uh, uh, sky is the limit in terms of say creativity the innovation anything that you can do so that's my passion um, I, I always need to or would like to innovate uh, things uh, on on my own um, and uh, that keeps me driving that keeps me thinking all all day long these days my 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 ability to read uh, has come down quite a lot uh, because of so many other responsibilities uh, when i was a student i used to spend every day early in the morning once i go to university uh, i used to spend about 1 hour exclusively on reading a lot of papers so initially it was too high like probably 2 3 hours and then over a period of time it came down to 1 hour even today uh, i try to read at least uh, one paper you know in uh, in 2 3 days And finally and perhaps most appropriately Shrikant says you can find the will to innovate from those around you. I I keep going back to the same story that's a thought process, right? Your interactions with the industry, your interactions with people, your interactions with uh, multiple other things, you know. Um, I'll tell you one simple example. I was walking from uh, from a Campbell Center to the uh, partnership office. I happened to meet one uh, worker uh, downstairs. We were just having a small conversation. at the end of the conversation he used one phrase which circled back to what the innovation that i was doing he said what you give is what you get but if you look at the inner meaning of that particular phrase it's almost about circular economy that guy probably doesn't know anything about circular economy so if you give something you know in terms of reprocessable materials is what you get you don't want to do any leakage so what keeps me innovative is these kind of interactions and constant reading and uh, and constant thinking about how how you can make a difference in 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 terms of the impact my name is srikant pila and those were my notes on innovation this has been of note a podcast that gets up close and personal with innovative people so we can learn from their successes and failures i'm joseph nother and i'm laura quarter Of Note is an original production by the South Carolina Department of Commerce's Office of Innovation and Design Sensory. Our producer and editor is Hunter Foster. Our sound engineer is Mike Deering with original music by Matt Honkinen. Check out more interviews, our blog and resource area at scribblesc.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ReadySetScribble. If you enjoyed the show, please make sure to subscribe, rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, keep pursuing your transformational ideas. Next time on Of Note. So our goal right now is to find a partner, to find an investor, which would be great. If we go the traditional NIH funding route, uh we've gotten the phase 1 business grant, we've now gotten our phase 2 business grant. The third one is a phase 2B. business grant and this is for 3 years up to 3 million dollars but one of the provisos on that is that you need to find someone who will match those funds can you okay, so it sounds like you need to find out a 3 million that would be nice yeah 2 to 3 million would be great <laughs> what's that so i think i've only got a couple hundred bucks yeah well he'll contribute a few hundred he said and- oh that sounds great <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah we'll <laughs> <laughs>